excite you. And I love that word excite. I spent several hours one night in prayer with just the word excite because I get excited about God. People say, Paul, you preach with passion. Yeah, it's because I really get excited about this stuff. I mean, it's good stuff to me. I get excited about it. When I can see the life of Jacob and see how much God went through to give, to allow Jacob to know how much a treasure he is to me, to God, my goodness, that's exciting to me. And I can see I've been stuck there in the middle. I have been stuck in sickness. I've been stuck in all kinds of ways. And I see how God has worked in my life to change me and to, to mold me where he wants me to go. And here I am preaching to you guys. Isn't that amazing? I don't deserve to be up here. I'm not worthy to be up here. It's just amazing. It's all God's grace. And if you pay attention, God will use you in many awesome ways. So there's nothing on this earth that will satisfy or excite you like discovering that you are a treasure of God. If you can really get it in your heart that you're a treasure of God, you should be excited about it. Christians that aren't excited about God, there's something wrong, folks. There's just something wrong. For you are a holy people in Deuteronomy. Let me go back to that principle for a minute. I don't think I'm done with that. You're a treasure of God stuck in the middle. Excited like discovering that you are a treasure of God stuck in the middle. There's nothing on earth like it. Can you imagine that? Nothing on earth like God coming to you and communicating with you to show you that you're a treasure of God. You, you guys that are, are encountering God, you ought to be so excited about that. There should be something in your life that you just cannot hold in. You cannot hold it in. You should be praying for ways that God will allow you to speak that, that love and that truth to other people. People can relate to you. Amen? They can relate to you. Deuteronomy 7.6. For you are a holy people. He's talking about Israel, but he's talking about his church. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. And I think Moses, in his time, he will say that 200, about 250 times he's going to tell them that you're the Lord your God, that you're Lord your God. He's going to say it 250 times to his people. For you are a holy people, people set apart, people chosen, picked apart. If you're here today, guess what? God's choosing you. He said, how do you know, Paul? You're here. You wasn't here before. You're here now. God has got a purpose for you. He's asking you to come and find out who he is. That's that simple. It's no harder than that. It's just not no harder than that. So you're, you're, you're being chosen out by God. Now, whether you accept that or not, it's between you and God. But we're chosen. He, he picks out Israel of all the, all the nations in the world. He starts Israel through Abraham, picks them out, brings them out of captivity, out of Egypt after 400 years, and he chooses them to be the people of God. And they're still here today. Amen? The only country that's gone out of existence that came back in in 1948 is Israel, and that's prophecy. God has chosen you to be a people for himself. For who? Who's he chosen you to be a people for? Himself. Not for yourself, but for himself. So we have to realize how to get away from ourselves to become part of him. Jacob had to learn it. Everybody has to learn it. And that's what these wonderful history lessons are about. A special, this, this is words from God, right? A special what? Everybody say that. So what are you? I ain't hearing that from everybody. What are you? There you go. You are a people for himself, a special treasure above what? How many people? All the people. That, that should excite you. 
It should excite you. Above all the peoples on the earth, above all the peoples, above the, above the, above the Muslims, above the, the Buddhists, above the atheists, above all the people, he has chosen his church. You are a treasure to him. I want you to get that deep in your heart today. You are a treasure of God. He died for you. If that's not enough to prove that he's a, you're a treasure of his, well, I don't know what else to tell you. You're a treasure of God, of all the peoples on the face of the earth. In Nahum 1, chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, it says, God, God is jealous. What is God? Jealous. Why is he jealous? Because you're a treasure of him. Does that make sense? He's jealous because you're a treasure of him. He doesn't like us. He continues to warn us, don't go to idols. Don't go to those things that draw your, your whole life away from me. And I'll tell you what, if you can't get past yourself, you're never going to get to God. God is jealous, and the Lord avenges. What does the Lord do? He avenges. The Lord avenges and is what? Look at that word. Furious. furious. He's, not a, he's not a little bit upset. He's furious. He's furious of the world. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. Are we his adversaries? No. We're the treasure. Amen? Thank the Lord. We're the treasure. But he says he's going to take on his adversary. He's going to take vengeance on his adversary. So there is two people groups, his treasures and his adversaries. Whether the world wants to admit it or not, that's what it is. We deal with, a, there's a lot of people I deal with continually that want to have, uh, let me see the right words I might put, self-salvation. In other words, they think they can do it by themselves. Whatever they're doing, they think it's good enough. No matter who it is, they think they're good enough. It's called self-salvation. That's, that's the name I put on it. So when you hear people say, well, I'm a good person. Well, just think in your mind, self-salvation. Because that's what they're attempting to do. They're attempting to bypass God and say that God will have to accept me because I think I'm good enough, according to what they think, which is who knows what they think. So the Lord will take vengeance on that type of person, his adversaries, because that's what it is. They, they, if you really think deep about that, you'll understand that they're, they're so self-absorbed that they really think they're their own God because they figure they can do this on their own. They can't. That's what grace is about. It's what the cross is about. And he reserves wrath for his what? It's not for his treasure, right? It's for his enemies. Well, there's two separate groups. Go ahead, please. If you're not interested in an encounter with God, if you're not interested in an encounter with God, then you are not interested in changing. Somebody give me something. Well, I want to. I want to change. I know I got to quit this. I got to do this. I just know I do. But I really don't know. I want to go to church. I don't want to go to that stuff. Them people are crazy. But I know I can do this. I can do this on my own. How many know people like that? Some of you sitting here. You got problems with something? Give it to God. Don't give me this stuff that you're born with it or this, that, and the other. Give it to God. We're all born in sin. We're all born in filth. And every one of us will stay in it if we don't give it to God. The only escape is through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. It's the only escape. I can't do anything on my own. I still be a nasty person. Maybe worse than John Blackwell over there. So if you're not interested in an encounter with God, then you're not interested in changing. And I'm going to tell you, you encounter God, you think, well, I can encounter God anywhere. 
Well, sure you can. He's God. But I'm also going to tell you, you can encounter him here every Sunday morning and all times around his people. Amen? Amen. I promise you'll encounter him because we're here. We're set apart. We're God's people. And that in the, let me tell you something. If you're not interested in encountering God with God, and then you're not interested in a changing God, and that is the scariest place anyone can be. Somebody give me something on that. That's scary. You know that? It's so scary, but yet they don't know it. And upon the day of death, they're going to know it. I got a phone call from a desperate mother this week, an older lady in the church. She's not here a whole lot because she's very sick. She has breathing problems. And her son got pneumonia, and he, they had to rush him to the hospital, and, and they had him on life support and a ventilator in his, down, his, down his throat. He's, I don't know the man at all. His name's Philip. So the mother's desperate, and she's texting me, and she's calling me, and, Paul, he's not saved. He's not saved. I said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. He can't hear you. I said, the minute, if he wakes, let me know. A desperate mother. Because she understands something. Her son never was scared to death. He just took this as whatever. Whatever. But her mother, his mother knew the truth. She's, in the middle of the night, she's texting me. They're asking me, I've got to pull him off the ventilator. They're telling me we've got to take him off the ventilator. I said, what do I do, Paul? I'm scared to death. What do I do? I said, go in a quiet place and pray. Just pray for a few minutes and then get back with me. She goes to a quiet place and she prays. She gives back, I don't have any answers. I don't have any answers. I said, what are the doctors telling you? That we got to take him off the ventilator and let him go. I'm not going to tell somebody to do that. I'm going to say, you go and pray. And then when you're comfortable with it, you allow the doctors to do what you think is best. She texts me back later on. We took him off. He's still alive. The next day, Paul, will you go see him? I said, can he hear me? His eyes will open once in a while, and he knows somebody's in the room. I'll go see him. I go up and I go see him. He's still just coming out of a coma. He's not really coherent, but he's alive. Amen. He's alive. And I pray with him, and he looks at me with his eyes, and they're kind of going all over the place. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, Lord, let this man just, just be coherent for a little while. Well, this story's not ended yet because he's still not gone, and he's still not, have not been able to go far enough with him, but I hopefully get back up there today or tomorrow as soon as he's coherent enough to go back up there. Because I told him, I said, are you ready to hear about Jesus? And his eyes, and he can't even talk right. But you can see the excitement in his eyes. He is fearful. Mother got hope. Y'all need to be praying for Philip. You don't know his last name. You just need to be praying for Philip that God opens this opportunity, if not for me, but for somebody else to get in there and talk to this man about the Lord. He's just a breath away from hell. He needs to encounter God, amen? amen? It's the scariest place anyone can be. The mother was fearful. I was fearful for that man. And I still am because he's still not ready. But God has given him another chance. And I'm praying that we can get back in there. Encounters with God will demand that you leave your past and fears behind, amen? amen. You've got to leave them behind. Jacob, when he's heading out after 20 years, he's coming to this place, and we're going to read in the scripture what he's about to do. He's fearful. He's stuck right in the middle. He knows he can't go back. He knows he can't go forward. He knows that 
his time of self-reliance is coming to an end. He knows it. And he thinks this may be the last day of his life. His brother hates him. 400 men are coming on horses. 400 men. It's not a brother coming out. Hey, man, glad to see ya. Remember what you did to me 20 years ago? Sorry about that. I wish you hadn't have done that, but we're okay. That's not what's happening. He doesn't know anything. He just knows when 400 men are coming, that means trouble. Wouldn't you think that? Boy, God can do some things to really scare us to death, can he? He can really scare us to death when he's trying to get our attention, isn't he? He wants you to realize that you're a treasure of God. In these worst times in your life, if you'll hang on, if you'll hang on, and you're going to have to wrestle with God. We'll see it right here in the scriptures in a minute. And he arose that night and took his two wives, two sisters, his two female servants and 11 sons and crossed over the ford, which is the brook of Jacob. He took, he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. What's he doing? He's hiding his family. He's hiding his family. He's, he's protect my family, Lord. It's, it's come to, I'm, I'm right stuck in the middle. It's coming to a head. This is it. I want you to look at something. And he arose from the what? He woke up. He's he, he losing sleep. Amen? He's stressed out. He is stressed out because he knows what's getting ready to take place. He knows it could be the last day of his life for his entire family. Himself, he knows it. And he knows also that he hasn't trusted God the way God has wanted him to be trusted. So he wakes up in the night. He rides up. He gets, wakes up the family, the 11 sons. And Can you imagine waking up the 11 kids? Some of you got four and five kids around here. Can you imagine waking up in the middle of the night being fearful? Knowing maybe the last time you see him and you say, I've got to take you over. We're going to take everything we can immediately and hide over here in the brook and be, shh, shh, boys, be quiet. Go back to sleep. Be quiet. And I'm going to go back over here and I'm going to wait on my brother Esau. Honey, just be quiet with the kids. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to take place. We've got to pray. We've got to pray that God will intervene here. Y'all relate to this story? See, the Bible comes alive to us, doesn't it? Amen? That's what the Bible does. It comes alive to us. You got to dig in there and you got to you search these things out. But it comes alive to us because every single one of you can relate to this. Because every single one of us are stuck in the middle sometime in our lives. And he rose in the night, took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford to Jekbach. He took them and, he, and sent them over to the brook and sent over what he had, his material stuff. Go ahead, please. Well, sometimes you have got to wrestle with God. Amen. Sometimes you have to wrestle with God to figure out that you are a treasure of God. Now, you, you look at this, and in, in a short period of time, this is all going to go away. I told a couple of people, people this week, this too will pass. Because in a short period of time, if you'll just trust God, and if you'll go where God's trying to guide you and take you, instead of fighting against him all the time, then you're going to learn who God is in your life, and you'll learn that you are a treasure of God, and he's just trying to lovingly but forcibly have you go where he needs you to go because he's got so much more for you. Some of us get to a plateau and, and we're kind of like stuck there. We're thinking, okay, what's going on? I've been there in my life. You're just kind of just stuck there because you're not getting your life where God wants you to be and you're just kind of stuck there. But God's wanting you to go to a different place and until you allow God to change that in your life, you're going to be stuck there. You're going to wrestle with God and Jacob wrestles with God so sometimes you have to be a wrestle with God to figure out that you're a treasure of God and persistence with God unravels our hearts, right? 
let me see here. This is a, um, now I know little Donna Harper up there loves to untangle ropes and cords, don't you, Donna? No, I don't. I get on the job sites and I get to pull off the cords and it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> this is time to me. I don't want to monkey with it. You know what? This is your life. <laughs> you know, this is just your life. Sometimes it's just a bunch of knots. It's a completely messed up knot. It needs to be unraveled, stretched out so you can use it. See this one right here? It's set up. It's nice and organized. I just pull it out and I use it and I crank it back in. No big deal, right? That's how our life should be. Nice and organized and able to be able to use, but yet we, so many of us are like this, like Jacob. We're stuck in the middle. We can't figure it out, and we're just completely unorganized. And nothing seems to work. And where's God? Well, you can't find him because you're so messed up in your life that you're not allowing him to straighten it out. Because I promise you, God wants you to be nice and usable. Amen? But you can't be usable until you get untangled. Jacob was left alone. How many of you how many in your life? Raise your hand, please. If you've been left alone with just you and God sometime in your life, everybody, you've been through that, ain't you? You've just been left alone. You, you, you teenagers, have you ever been left alone? You've just been left alone. And it's just you and God. Maybe late in the night, early in the morning, just you and God. And you know you've got to work this thing out with God. You know the, the pressure in your heart. And you know there's something you just got to work out with God. But you just want to ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. I'm going to go to church. I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to try to change, but then I'm not going to change. Ah, you're just, you're just a mess in your life. And you find yourself just like those knots. And as Christians, because Jacob was being blessed by God when he was gone the 20 years, everybody saw it. But he still wasn't where God wanted him to be. He had to face these things. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. Now, a lot of you have heard this over your lives. And a lot of us, it's a, we can look at this in a physical way because he actually did, and it's also a spiritual way. It's a symbolic way. He wrestled with a man, and this man would be the angel of the Lord. We'll find that out later, which is always Jesus Christ incarnate. So Jesus comes down, and he often did that in the Old Testament. He did it with Abraham. He did it several times. He did it with Joshua. He'd come down, and he'd meet with people. And this time, he came down because he meant business with Jacob. He wanted Jacob to know that he's a treasure of him. And the only way he's going to get Jacob to understand this is to wrestle with Jacob, to allow Jacob to get past this, because Jacob has got a terrible night working on it. Some of the worst times in your life, I promise you, if you just open your heart to God, he's going to show up. And you may wrestle with him for a while, but when it's all over and done, my goodness, the relief you have. And nobody on this earth knows it except you and God. Amen? You can't even explain it to your wife or your husband. It's so in-depth in your heart. But you know it happened. You know it happened. No matter how much you want to deny it, you know it happened. You had an encounter with God. Jacob was left alone with a man and wrestled with him until the breaking of day. So it was a, a continual wrestling. It wasn't something that just happened. It was a continual encounter with God. Genesis 32, 24, 26. Now when he saw that he did not, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, look at the capital H. When you see capital H or, or a capital letter, that means God, okay? If it's a little letter, it's, it's not God. It's a person. When it's always a capital, it's God, the God. So now when he, capital H, he, which is Jesus, saw that he did not, he again, did not prevail against him, which a little h, which means Jacob, 
He touched him. Capital H again. He touched him. In other words, God touched Jacob. Because Jacob was wrestling with him. They were wrestling over all these situations in Jacob's life. He touched the socket of his hip. He was getting Jacob's attention. Amen? He was getting his attention. Sometimes God's got to get our attention in some way. He touched the socket of him, his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Wow. So it was physical and it was spiritual. Do you get that? I think the Lord had... I think the Lord that he loves us so much that he'll do something like that to us. He's got so much for us if we'll pay attention. In verse 26, and he said, let me go. This is God saying to Jacob, because Jacob's not going to let him go. You know, he gets so tired. It's the middle of the night. He's so, his adrenaline's been pumping for who knows how many hours. His kids are hidden. His wives are hidden. And his, his servants and all he's got is all laid out all over the desert. And his brother's coming. You just see the dust of the horses just coming. And he hear the noise of those horses. Nothing's silent. He knows it's coming. He's scared to death. And he's not going to let go of God. Amen. We never should let go of God. Amen. In the worst times of your life, the worst thing you can do is let go of God. But why, why, why do we let go of God? Many Christians, when they're struggling in their life, the first thing they do is let go of God. How in the world are you going to get healed if you let go of God? How in the world is he going to change you if you let go of God? You cannot let go of God. Persistence, you have to hang on. Amen? You that hang on, you that hang on, you will be changed by the Holy God. You will become a holy person, a holy nation. And God just wanting to show you how much he loves you. You say, boy, that's a tough way to show. Amen. But boy, I tell you, tough love is tough love. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord for tough love. And he said, let me go. That's God said, for before the, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Come up here, Chris. Abbott, come here. Hurry up, boy. I ain't gonna wrestle this boy. He'll break me in two. No, don't pat me. Try to get rid of me. I can't get rid of you. Right, you're not gonna get rid of me. Because I... You see what I'm talking about? You see, you can't get rid of God. You don't do that. You want to hang on to God in the worst days of your life. You want to hang on to Him. Did I tear your glasses up? <laughs> I will not let you go. Don't let Him go. Don't let Him go. Amen? Amen. Don't let Him go. Okay, you can go. I will not let you go unless you what? Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. I just love this stuff. Okay. Whew, I'm already wore out. I feel like I... He's encountered God. This is what he needed. This is what you need. You need to encounter God in such an awesome way. No matter what it might feel like, no matter what it might look like, you need to encounter God. And he said, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Why did God encounter Jacob? Jacob knew that God was wanting to bless him. Amen. 
When God encounters you, it's a God-sized encounter, and he's got a wonderful blessing for you. And it ain't always money and cars, people. He's got a wonderful blessing for you. We've got a loving God, don't we? When you find yourself stuck in the middle of life, you just might be ready to encounter God. When you find, and I'll tell you, some of you have been here, and you find yourself right here, I want you to from now on, because you're going to go through this, when you find yourself right here, where it looks like there's no hope, all completely gone, when you find yourself here, know that God wants to hold you, he wants to bless you, but he will not allow you to live your life your way. You Christians, he's a Christian, he's a man that loves God. Okay, hello. Satan hates it, doesn't he? There you go. You ever hear about hear me right now? I'm all worked up. We gotta be honest. If you're clinging to God, if you're wrestling with God, he's, he's asking you to be honest, and he's going to ask you a question. And you better answer it right. And every one of you know what I'm talking about here in a second. You're going to know. Genesis 32, 27. So he said to him, the he, which is God, Jesus, said to him, what is your... Everybody say that. Okay, I'm all confused. What... He's just wrestled with him throughout the night. And Jacob's clinging and won't let him go. He misses his hip all up, throws it out of socket. He's going to limp around the rest of his life. And then God says, what is your name? 
Well, you just want to look at that and run on by and go ahead, but there's some great meaning in this, and we're just going to touch on it a little bit. How much time I got? We're going to touch on it just a little bit. What is your name, Jacob? He knows Jacob's name. He knows every hair on his head or how many you don't have. He knows it, amen? He knows everything about you. But he's asking you a personal question. He's asking you today, what is your name? Who are you? Jacob has to face that. And he has to say, I'm a liar. I'm a cheater. I'm an adulteress. I'm an idol worshiper. I'm all kinds of things. I'm a manipulator. Jacob means manipulator and deceiver. I'm all these things, God. I'm a person with a sharp tongue that likes to smart off too much. I'm a person that's got some bad habits that don't want to get rid of them. That's who I am, God. That's who I am. God knows your name. He's asking you to be honest with him. You've just wrestled with him throughout the night, and if you're not willing to be honest with God, then how are you ever going to find out you're a treasure of God? Because you're splitting yourself. You're stuck in the middle. You're never going to get out of that middle. You're not being totally honest. And Jacob has to tell him. He says, what is your name? And he said, Jacob, which means deceiver, manipulator, liar, cheater, hungry for power, hungry to do things my own way. A person that doesn't really believe in the cross. A person that really doesn't understand it all quite. But boy, it does sound good. It looks good. And I don't understand these churches. I don't understand these people. Some of them don't look like, like Christians should look. Just, you're always taking your focus off of God and you're putting it on people. I promise you, you can look at people all day long in the church and you're, you're not going to see a holy God all the time. Amen? I live in the flesh, baby. I'm going to make mistakes. You'll probably see it right in the time I do it, and I'm going to have to get on my knees and repent of that. Because I live in the flesh. Don't you ever pay attention to man. Everybody wants to pay attention to people, and then they, can, they, they weigh themselves out to, to other people. I'm better than that person. Well, you're back to that self-salvation stuff. It doesn't work that way. You've got to compare yourself to a holy God, and you'll come down to your knees and say, I am not holy. Amen. But God is. And that's the answer that God's wanting from all of us. Realize that He is God and He is holy. And whatever we think does not matter. It's only what He says. It's only what He believes. Get there with God. Find that place with God. Wrestle with God and you'll find out you're the greatest treasure of God. And you'll live your life that way. People don't seem to matter so much. Although you can love them to death, but God matters more. Your pride of saying, I'm a Christian, it's it's God. It's I am a Christian. I'm excited about God. Amen. Amen. Everybody I work around them nasty construction sites, they cuss their heads off, but they know I'm a man of God. Amen. Amen. I tell them from the office level to the work site, I tell them they know it. I don't have to hide it. What a police officer get fired up there. State police officer this week because he was preaching about God too much. That's what they say. ACLU, whatever they comes in and Well, I'll give that guy some kudos, man. He wasn't scared, was he? Guess what? I bet God's got something better for him. Well, you bet. I'll tell you what. You, be, you do good with what God gives you, and he'll give you more. Amen? 
this guy put his trust and faith in God over his job and his family. Amen? He said, well, he shouldn't have done that. Well, that's between him and God, not between you, him, and God. Amen? I don't know what God's doing in his life, but evidently God was doing some wonderful things. You don't know who's going to get changed over that. Would it have been worth it? Amen! It would have been worth it. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He told him the truth. He told him the truth. Isn't this a good thing? You guys like this stuff? You really, do you really? I do. Isn't it good? Isn't it wonderful how God wants to encounter us? You don't have to have 100 degrees to figure out God. You don't have to be Einstein to figure out it. You just got to have love for God. I wrote so much down this week. I just kept writing. And Vicki says, you're never going to get through that sermon. I said, ah, we'll see. This is a little treasure box here. Because we're treasures to God. And you know, I'm thinking, what can I put in a treasure box for God? Well, you know what I can put in it? I can put a name called Brooke. I can put a name called Mike. I can put John in there. I can put Josh in there. I can put Michelle in there. I can put Buddy in there. Treasures of God, amen? You're a treasure. You understand? I want you to understand. I can put Val- Valerie. I can put you in. You're a treasure of God. See, I thought about you this morning, Val. Susie, where's he? I just, treasure of God. John, Sherry, Amy, Pam, Robin, treasures of God. Amen? A man sitting in the hospital. Bill Hobbs gets out at noon today. He's not doing good, folks. You need to be on your knees. Some of you maybe went fasting for him. He's getting out of the hospital, but he's still not good. But he's a treasure of God. Amen? He's a treasure of God. He's got a grandchild due in a couple weeks from a son out in Las Vegas, him and his wife. They've, eight times they've had miscarriages. They've never had a child. This one's got two weeks before it's born. Bill told me Friday when I was over at his house, he said, Paul, if I can just make it two weeks, just two weeks to see this granddaughter. Will you pray for Bill for two weeks? So he can see his granddaughter born, please. With every God encounter, you should become more and more aware of the treasures you are. Every time you encounter God, it should uplift you, and you should be aware of the treasure you are. Getting ready to close here. Genesis 32, 28. And he said, your, he said, you, and he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob. In the Bible, a lot of times they would change people's names. It's giving us an insight. Who you were is not who you are. Amen? Amen. Who you were is not who you are. You may have been a deceiver, a manipulator, a liar, an adulteress. You may have idols all over the place. And you may be coming up on a, on a time in your life that you're stuck in the middle, but I love you, says my Lord. I love you. And because you'll go through this, and because you'll cling to me and not let go because something took place in your life, because something happened, if you'll not let go, you're going to get the full blessings of God. Amen? How can you get a blessing of God if you let go of God? It won't happen. Don't be foolish. And he said, your name shall be no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have what? Prevailed. Prevailed. We're going to take this back up next week a little bit. We're going to find out what happens to a man that prevails with God. Amen? Amen. A woman that will hang in there with her children that loves them no matter what's taking place. 
that prevails, that is so persistent, that no matter how bad the wrestling gets with God, you will not let go. People that come around and they, they, they got all these issues in their life and you help them and you tell them you gotta, you gotta do it this way. You get into counseling and we'll lay it out right there for you. This is the only way. This is the only way. This is the only way. I can give you history lesson after history lesson, but this is the only way. You've got to cling to it, hang on to it, and God's going to take you to places you can never imagine. And just a, just, I'm going to be honest with you. It's just a few that will hang on to it. But those few are so blessed by God, their lives are changed by God. In a short period of time, they're helping other people with the same situations in their life. They've got above it, they got past it, and God is blessing them by helping others. Amen? See, that's the true blessings, is loving people no matter where they're at and getting them past themselves, that they don't become, that they're not self-reliant, but they're God-reliant. Are you with me? Amen. First Peter 2.9, it's the last verse for the day. But you are a chosen generation. Everybody, everybody just stand up and read this for me. And if you're a chosen generation, don't, let me grab a hold of something here. Don't start getting ready to leave. Don't give me that junk. Don't be picking around in your pockets. I want you to read this and I want you to understand this is God talking to you, amen? He's a, he wants to encounter you deeply today. And he has. But you are a chosen generation. Read that, please, loudly. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are all, if you belong to Jesus Christ, treasures of God. And if you do not belong to Jesus Christ, I'm begging with you today. He wants you to be a treasure of God. He wants you to be a treasure of God. If you've wrestled with Him lately, aren't you tired of it? You want a couple more hips? You want an elbow out of socket? What do you want? Quit wrestling with God and get where He's taking you. Amen? Learn to love God with all your heart. Open up the Word of God and understand it is the truth of God. It is the love of God. It is the grace of God. He's asking for our faith to come on board. And you can do it. Amen? Amen. Words for the week, John. Go ahead. What's the first word? Sometimes you have to wrestle with God. It was a principle earlier. It's the first time I've ever done this. I love the principle earlier and I just had to do it again. Sometimes you have to wrestle with God to figure out that you're a treasure of God. Amen. Question for the week. When has self-reliance just like Jacob, when his self-reliance collapsed the Spirit of God from entering, encountering you. When if your self-control of everything collapsed the encounter with God. I've been there. I've been there. So no thanks, not right now, God. No thanks, not right now. I'm out of that church. Pew!
First time I ever preached outside of a, my own church year, oh, many, many years ago. I probably told you this story. I'm going to tell you again. Some of you, most of you haven't heard it. Called me down someplace down south, and I go down there and I preached on a Sunday morning. I go down and I pull up at the pretty good-sized church. And I'm like, what in the world am I doing here? What, what in the world, God? I'm not ready for this. I started giving every kind of excuse, everything I could think of. I got back in the car and drove off. About three or four miles down the road, God says, where are you going? I said, anywhere but there. I had to stop. I had to turn around. I had to go back, and I had to get out. And I could not use any excuse. Amen? If you're a person of God, you're a treasure of God, quit him making excuses. Either he's God in your life or he's not God in your life. And God don't need any excuses. Amen? So I knew when I got out of the car, I could not make any excuses no matter how fearful I was. And I'll tell you that, I didn't have any fingernails left. I said, where's the water? I need water. I preached for 75 minutes. I'm not sure they were real happy with me or not. But I gave them all I had. Amen? I cling to God. Cling to God. And he, he blessed me. If you're not being blessed by God, it's because you're not encountering God. Every encounter, he wants, you, he wants to bless you so much. Amen? I'm going to give an invitation a little different today. Last night, in the middle of the night, I'm waking up and I'm praying. And God said, Paul, don't just do a fast invitation today. I, there's people there that's going to need to hear something. Billy Graham, every time he did a sermon anywhere he was at, he would ask people to bow their heads. And he'd say, you pray after me if you want God in your life. Well, I don't do that a whole lot because I want people to come up forward and give glory to God. But I want to do this today. I'm going to tell you, if you want God in your life and you're tired of struggling with this life and you're understanding I cannot do self-salvation, I have to have it through Christ. When I go up to visit that man the next day or so, I'm going to preach him the gospel of Jesus Christ and I'm going to pray that God opens up his mind and his heart just long enough to say, yes, Lord, yes. Amen? So bow your heads. And some of you that know Jesus Christ, you need to be praying hard right now. Lord, Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for this message. I thank you that we can understand that you love us so much that we are your treasures. You love us above your creation of this earth for it's going to burn up. But Lord, you will not bring wrath upon your treasure, your people, your holy people. Father, I'm asking you today, Father, the people out here in this congregation, that they will fall in love with you so desperately. They will cling to you in the worst days of their life. They will not let go. And for those that let go, Father, will you give us a heart to love them even more, that they can come back at another time and wrestle with you and get past the darkness in their life. Father, there's some out here that have no idea what I'm talking about, but they know what they've heard today. They know it's the truth. They feel it in their heart right now. Glorious Father, would you touch them in just a moment? Would you give them eternal life? If you want Jesus Christ, the Savior of all mankind, into your life, it's not complicated. You pray after me. And if you mean business with God, then you'll give glory to God. And you'll see in your life 
Say, Jesus, I know I love you, George, Lord. Lord, would you come live in my life? I know the cross. I've heard it all my life. But today it's opened up to me. I believe. I believe for the first time I truly believe. I believe you died for me. I believe that tomb is empty and no man could find you. I believe you're in heaven right now, sitting by the Father. Lord, I understand the sins in my life. I understand I can't do this alone anymore. I'm asking you to come into my life and save me. Make me a holy person. Father, change me. And for the Christians... If you've wrestled with God and you're sick of wrestling with God and you want to see the outcome and you're clinging to some hope, then God's got all the hope in the world. Let loose of the things that are holding you back, that's keeping you stuck in the middle. Let Him go. Ask God forgiveness. Let Him go. Become a, a holy person of God, one that God can use in great and mighty ways. Oh, man, this world needs you. Blessed are those who call on the name of the Lord. For we are a chosen generation, a holy people, treasures of God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. If you said that, if you meant business with God today, well, you know what to do. You need to get on this altar and you talk with the Lord. I'm just a, I'm just a man. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. But God in me becomes everything. Amen? You are nothing, but God in you becomes everything. I was so wore out this week. I was so tired dealing with so many different things. I'm just completely wore out. Out of town for days, working and just wore out. And here I am sitting here preaching my heart out because I love Christ. Amen? I know what he wants to do in your lives. I know what he wants to do in my life. He wants to bless me. He wants me to bless others through his love. I open up the tables. If you belong to Jesus Christ, if you belong to him, get right with him. Make sure your life is completely right. And then enjoy, enjoy him. Love him. Ask him for someone to talk to. Ask him for someone to meet that you can help them share your, your journey with God to their lives. Become useful Christians and be blessed by a holy God. If you just ask the Lord to come in your life, come and just whisper it in my ears and we'll get down here and pray with you. If you've never been baptized, if you've been baptized and you didn't mean it, there's a lot of Christians out there like that, then you need to do that. You need to get right with God. That's his first commandment. Be baptized. Do it. Quit holding back. Do it. You come and enjoy the Lord today. Isn't it wonderful we have a God that will wrestle with us and not just flick us off like we're nothing? Just, they're nothing. I'm God. Your bosses don't want to deal with your stuff. Sometimes your kids don't want to deal with your stuff. But God wants to deal with all of it. Amen? Wow, oh, we got a wonderful God.
Be excited about it, Christians. Be excited about it. Come before the Lord today and enjoy Him like never before. Enjoy Him.